Turn in your Bible, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. May we pray together a moment. Our Father, we thank Thee for the Word of God, unadulterated, inerrant, authoritative, infallible, never passing away. Thank you, Lord, that we have a more sure word of prophecy in the wonderful word. We pray that today the Spirit of God will move among us. We thank you for our hearts being touched by the songs and by the impact of believers meeting in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we need thee. Open our hearts to thee in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a very comforting and strengthening and yet convicting chapter. I hope you have your Bible and you'll have it open to four, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Brother Saith Williford read from this a moment ago and uh, our hearts were moved as he read. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which are alive are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I'd like to make this a Bible study this morning and for us to look at several important phases in this chapter. The theme of the chapter, if our gospel be, be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. We'll come back to that passage in a moment or two, but you look at verse 1. He says, therefore, and whenever you see the therefore, you wonder what the therefore is therefore. It connects with the chap the, what he's been saying just before this. <coughs> We'll not be able to go into that right now, but look at this. He says, we have received, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, why would people faint in the work of God? You hear about a thousand preachers quitting preaching every year. They fainted. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, whose name is attached to the services today, one of the great preachers of all times, Thousands came to hear him preach. His tabernacle was always jammed and packed. 
Sometimes they would move out to the music hall and he would preach to 20 to 30,000 every Sunday. But that great man of God had some fainting fits. In his book, Lecture to My Students, he has a chapter on the minister's flaming, uh, fainting fits. Now, if the minister has fainting fits, what about the people? Why would we faint in doing the work of God? Why would we not be able to keep on keeping on? How many of you would testify that there are days when you're down? Lift your hands. Everybody. How many would testify there are days when you're up? All right. Now, what do you do? Just go like a, a roller coaster? You go up and then you go down and you go up and you go down. Or do you anchor your soul in the haven of rest and sail the rough seas no more and say, Lord, no matter what I feel, I'm going to keep on sailing on. When I feel all elated, I'm just going to serve you. When I feel all down and out, I'm just going to serve you. I'm going to keep at it. Uh, I heard the preacher here say not long ago, I believe it was Moody Adams or someone, and he said, uh, someone asked if you'd ever considered divorce. He said, no, I never considered divorce. I considered murder. In the sanctity of the home life, there are days when your love understanding and love fellowship is greater than other days. Amen? Is that right or wrong? All right. What do you do on those days? You don't scrap your husband or scrap your wife. You just sail on. Now, Paul says, I have renounced the things of dishonesty and craftiness. Look in verse uh, 2. <clears throat> Not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He said, I'm not going to faint. I'm just not going to quit. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Now, you can quit. I guess you can. I, I said to a young man, maybe a year or so ago, if God has called you to preach, you can't quit. If mother called you, or your friends called you, or somebody else called you, you'll get out there for a little while and when the going gets tough and there are all kinds of interests over here and here and here, all kinds of things to attract your attention, you'll quit. But I want to say to God's people this morning, if Jesus really lives inside of you, if you have received him as your savior, there'll be days so dark that you seek in vain for the face of your friend divine, but he's there all the time. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you don't have to faint. The dropout is high. But Paul said, I'm persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation. Amen. Go on, going on. So Paul said, I've decided not to faint. It's not a matter of how I feel any one day. I've decided already. For example, liquor is not a, test, a, a, a trial to me or a temptation. I've already decided what I'm going to do about liquor. I just don't drink it. Smoking cigarettes is not really a trial to me or a temptation. I've decided ahead of time I'm not going to smoke them. Now, when we decide ahead of time, I'm not going to faint. No matter what happens, I'm just keep on going. Then we can keep on going. Now, Paul said, in doing this, 
I want you to know that I've laid aside certain things. Uh, the reason I'm not fainting is I have the answer to God of a good conscience. I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Isn't that an interesting way he put it? I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Even Paul was tempted with the hidden things of dishonesty. Everyone here is. You're tempted on your income tax. You're tempted when the clerk gives you back too much change. And you say, well, I guess God gave it to me and I'll just keep it. <laughs> the hidden things of dishonesty. We're, we're tempted in various little things. Paul said, I've renounced that. I've dealt with it. I've renounced it. I've turned away from it. I'm not going to go on in that. Those are dishonest things that do not magnify the Lord. And he says, uh, I'm not walking in craftiness or subtlety. The Bible says about the devil in Genesis chapter 3 that Satan was more crafty or subtle than any of the other animals. He was beautiful and at that time probably stood on... Uh, stood up like, like human beings do. But the curse made the serpent crawl on his back or on his stomach the rest of his, the rest of progenity. He still does that, and I don't like serpents. Came in here to church one Sunday. One, we were in a revival meeting, and uh, the, some of the bus kids were here, and they, had, they were sitting right over in this section. And uh, I walked down there to church to shake hands with them before the service, and, and so I said, he's got a snake. I looked at that guy. I said, you don't have a snake, do you? And about that time, that snake began to crawl out of his pocket. <laughs> I think I called Mickey or somebody come and take that guy out and take care of the snake. I don't like snakes. They remind me of that terrible temptation that Adam and Eve had to go through. Now, he says... Uh, I'm not going to be crafty or subtle like the devil is. I'm going to be sincere and honest and open. I'm not going to handle the Word of God deceitfully. I'm going to preach it as it is. He says, I'm, I'm, I, by, by manifestation of the truth, I'm commending to every man's conscience the sight of God. Paul had some enemies. Can you imagine being an enemy of the Apostle Paul? I guess to be an enemy of Paul was to be an enemy of Jesus. He had some enemies, and they accused him of all kinds of things. They said, you uh, write in your letters one thing, but when you're in person, you, you're another. You're hypocritical. Paul said, no, I've renounced all that. I'm not doing that at all. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. Then he begins to say, if our gospel be hid, it's as if he's talking in these first two verses of the fact that when we faint, we hide the gospel. When we're involved in craftiness and subtlety and uh, all those things, we're hiding the gospel. And he says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded their eyes, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. Now, who is this God of the world? Who is that crafty individual. In John 12, 31, there's a re reference to the prince of the world. In John 14, 30, another reference to the prince of the world. In John 16, 11, the prince of the world. In Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air. In 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world. 
they all refer to the same one. It's Satan, the arch enemy of God. And he says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in them. Now, you don't have to turn a switch to turn darkness on. It's already dark. You have to turn a switch to turn the light on. And when you turn the switch off, the light goes out and there's darkness again. The Bible says that when God first created the world, there was darkness on the face of the deep. And then God turned the light on. In our lives, there's darkness, spiritual darkness, until God turns the light on. And when that light comes on, it's the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, and the devil hates that. He'll do everything he can to try to avoid your getting the light on in your life. And even after you're saved, the devil comes along and wants to blindfold you and take you down, 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 and uh, to a discouraged life, a defeated life. There may be some within the sound of my voice this morning who have been defeated over the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, all these things. Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be blinded by Satan. It means to be bound in bondage. It means to be bereft of the benefits God offers. First of all, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be blinded by Satan and his allurements. Blinded by the bright lights. Blinded by the burning desires that are in our hearts. I think of a trip we made to Nevada a few years ago. We attended the convention over there. went through Boulder and, and then we came up on a hill and we looked down at that, that city, Sin City, where all the casinos and gambling, where people go every weekend to throw their money away. And I won't tell you, we were there at dark, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Beautiful. I just thought, look at all those bright lights. It's down in this valley, and it's just absolutely elegant. Heaven must look like that. But the closer we got into the city, came down off that hill, here was a big poster board about gambling. Here was another about having a good time with the girls. Here was another advertising all kinds of liquor. I thought, this isn't heaven. This is deceit. This is the city of deceit. And many, many people are blinded by deceit. They don't recognize it as deceit. They think, it's boy, it's the thrill. It's a wonderful thing. We're just having a jolly good time. But eventually, those bright lights will blind you. 
And then there are burning desires in our lives that blind us. It feels so good. Must not be anything wrong with it. This is love. You know there couldn't be anything wrong with that. Why, it feels good. And that blinds you. The deceitfulness of Satan. That's what it means to be lost. It means to be blinded. And he says here, the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never believed upon him as your personal savior, the Bible says you're spiritually blinded. And as a result of being spiritually blinded, you're bound. You're bound in bondage to self, to self's desires. You're bound in bondage to sin and all the things that will win. You're bound. You're in bondage. It would be like, suppose I'd ask one of these young guys over here, uh, come up here, man, will you? Can you? It puts us in bondage. And sin has done that to thousands of people. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not. And thirdly, though to be lost means not only to be blinded and bound, but bereft of the benefits God offers. See, God has a wonderful benefit for every one of us. First of all, joy right here. Peace, power, pardon, purpose. God has something wonderful for every one of us. And then to cap it off, he has heaven. There's a land beyond the river that we call the sweet forever. We only reach that shore by faith's decree. Heaven is the birthright of every believer. And I want to tell you, heaven is real. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You think of your loved one who had to suffer and go down in the valley of the shadow of death and you stood by and you sort of waved goodbye as they crossed the river. Well, I want to tell you, over there, there's no more tears there's no more bondage. There's no more sickness. There's no more illness. Everything is peace and joy. And in my Father's house, there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, and no graves on the hillside of glory. It's all wonderful. 
But the person who is lost is bereft of that. Sometimes we stand at funerals and we're not sure where somebody has gone to spend eternity. Many funerals, I've talked to people, they have assured me they were saved before they left here, and uh, it's a wonderful joy to know that. On other occasions, I've talked to people who would not receive Christ, who said, no, not today, some other day, I'm expecting some other time, I, I can't be saved today, and then they suddenly die. And I stand at that funeral, And my heart hurts. Just a few days ago, he could have said yes to Christ, but now it's forever sealed. He has robbed himself of the greatest benefit in life and eternity, of knowing Jesus and going to be with him. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. To be lost means to be blinded spiritually by the God of this world. To be lost means to be bound in bondage. To be lost means to be bereft of the blessings God wants to give. And then he goes on to say, but, a wonderful word, you ought to mark that. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, I want to just show you a little object lesson as we close the lesson today, the message today. Here's an earthen vessel that somebody gave me. I appreciate it very, very much. I like it. Been in my office for many years. You and I are like this earthen vessel. Now, the, the vessel is just pretty to look at, but if that's all it is, eventually it just passes away. The Bible says we have this treasure of Jesus in an earthen vessel. You and I are the earthen vessels. But inside that earthen vessel, there's something very, very valuable symbolizing the real things of life, the valuable things of life, Jesus himself. Now, if there's nothing in the vessel, it's just empty. There are a lot of empty people walking around. They have no spiritual power. The only thing that's beautiful about themselves is the outward form, and when that outward form lies down in death, there's nothing in it. It's empty. And that one goes eternally away from God. But if in that earthen vessel there's the Word of God, the living Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, He never dies. You put Him in a grave, three days later He comes out of that grave with a resurrected body never to die again. And you and I, when we put our trust in Christ, this earthen vessel becomes just the vessel in which Jesus lives. And He is life and truth and the way, and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who have an empty vessel. No matter what condition your heart is in today, spiritually, you are an earthen vessel. God has given you talents and gifts and all kinds of things, but you're just an earthen vessel. Someday, this earthly house will fall. And I no more as now shall sing, but all the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. Are you just an empty earthen vessel? Or have you allowed Jesus to come and possess you and live in you so that your vessel becomes 
valuable. Our vessels are so valuable that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus. And all of our sins, the sins of yesterday, the sins of two days ago, the sins of today, the sins of tomorrow, are all placed on Christ. And when he died, he, he looked into the face of God the Father. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that day that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish. You say, that's too simple. Only believe, only believe. That's the answer. Just believe. Simple, childlike faith in Christ. That's the answer. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded their eyes. We thank you we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We pray right now for the liberty of the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts and those in this place who need to come and make a public commitment of their lives to Christ, either trusting Jesus or confessing him or coming to recommit their lives. Dear God, do what you need to do to stir us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. 331, why do you wait, dear friend? Why do you wait? Uh, that's my question to you. On the first stanza of the invitation, just come, take a stand for Christ. Don't wait, don't put it off. Just let Jesus have his way as we sing.